0: brokennesses in our society. We're going to research the brokennesses in our society, and we're going to come with brokennesses together. We're going to form a community. And last week, um, David Kim uh, stressed the whole idea of community, and we'll be talking about that today as well. And then the third core value is authenticity. Without integrity, we cannot love our neighbor. Jesus said, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're not being authentic, we cannot really love our neighbor. Um, And so that is very crucial. And then the fourth um, core value is missionality, missional congregation. That's who Redeemer Life is. Uh, And I was a little worried, I must confess, today, I was a little worried because I didn't know how this, Whole changeover thing is gonna work out, but it seems like um, you have found uh, the the website, and I'm so thankful to our team. I'm so thankful for Richard Yon and 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 for Bobby and others that worked together to make this happen. So this is our new link to the Zoom service. We also had a, a very very powerful time of prayer this morning, led by Christy Reichenbach. Um, And we have a new team leader for uh, the the time of prayer this morning. Um, Deb has taken over. Deb Fredericks is the new um, prayer time leader. We had such a powerful time uh, in which um, um, uh, Christy reminded us about my favorite uh, verse, which is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. This is going to be a long marathon. It always is. It's a long marathon. And of course, when you're running the marathon, then then you get discouraged. I've run, you know, several marathons. And I know that even after running so many marathons, I do get discouraged. Is this going to finish? Uh, I'm so tired. I'm getting cramps all over. I'm and, and so many naysayers will be there, uh, but there's thankfully a whole group of people who are cheering you on. And, and in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about the whole group of cheerers all the way from the first day when God created to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, to, um, to uh, David and to Solomon and Isaiah, Jeremiah. There's a whole group of cheerers that come along and say, You can do it. How can I do it? I look to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So Rima Life, I know you are searching for um, a new pastor. I know that I am the interim teaching pastor. But remember, our pastor is Jesus. He is the great shepherd. So as we go on this journey, Jesus is the great shepherd. And that's who the early church led people to. So we started this journey in the book of Acts. And boys and girls, if you have your parents there with you, and I know you should have your parents there with you, if they've gone to get a cup of coffee or if they've gone outside somewhere, go and take them by their hand and say, come, we've got to listen to God's word. So would you do that? and then have them bring their Bibles also. You bring your Bibles, your uh, NIRV study Bible that, uh, that Pastor Yaunbi has given you. Um, so get that, the Adventure Bible for early readers because it's so beautiful here. And, and I want to focus on this so that I read, we read the Bible along with you, young people and kids, we are a family together. And we are an intergenerational family. So we went through the great commission that Jesus gave when he rose from the dead. And of course, I know that's a long, long time ago. So many things have happened since then. this is, we live in a different world, right? From March, whoever knew that we'll be having services um, online like this. But we have gone through this. We have stuck with it. Boys and girls, you have had your classes via Zoom and via other sources. You've had precious people who have taught to you online. You've had parents who have held your hands and said, we can do this together and we've done this together and we'll keep doing this together. And so we, it was a long time ago, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said uh, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Abba, and of the Son, the Ben, and of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, remember says Jesus, that same author and pioneer and perfecter of our faith, I am with you always. That is our great shepherd, and that is what we have to look on to. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we saw how the same Jesus was lifted up into the skies, and before that he said, stick around here, stick around here, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. Where? Here in Jerusalem and there in Judea and there among those people that you consider to be the scum of the earth, the Samaritans, Samaria, and the ends of the world, which usually means to Europe and to ends of Africa and to ends of Asia. Go there and spread these core values that I'm giving you. And so they did. And we went through this journey. We've been going through this journey when they went to uh, to Athens, and, and and you remember the puppet. You know, Justin came to you and talked about um, uh, talked about Athens and how they met the brokennesses of Athens. The early disciples of Jesus did. They met the brokennesses of. Athens and then of course they went to Thessalonica and then they went into Corinthian to Corinth and we what we're we trying to do is we're taking this journey along with the early church in the book of Acts and then we're reflecting on what did Paul have to teach this place that he went to so i know we're getting a bird's eye view of 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 epistles like Thessalonians and Corinthians, we're not gonna go into every single verse, but I want to give us a big picture of these places that Paul went into. So today, Paul, it goes on to say, and I'm reading from here, reading from here, from your new international reader's version, have your parents open up any Bibles they have. We have got to open up our Bibles, okay? So if you have the New National Version, that's fine. If you have the Spanish Bible, that's fine. If you have the English Standard Version, that's fine. If you have any version of the Bible, if you'd open up to Acts chapter 18 and verse 18, it says, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time, and that's what his habit of doing. He wanted to spend time with people, to nurture them, to disciple them. And the word disciple in the Bible means to create a group of learners who will look up to Jesus. That's what discipleship means. It means, it doesn't mean, look, I have all the answers, because we don't have all the answers. But we can lead people to Jesus. That's what he did. And then it goes on to say, then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria. Priscilla and Aquila went with him. And then it goes on to say again in verse 19, they arrived in Ephesus. There Paul said goodbye to Priscilla and Aquila. I love the way this is. For one, in the early church, authentic disciples were created by early Christians like the apostle Paul, and like Peter, and like John. They created authentic Christians, why? Because they looked after the authentic master, the chief runner of the marathon. So they trained authentic people. They trained authentic disciples. And that's what Paul did as he trained these people and, and what kind of people were these? You know, it, it says tent makers, that's kind of not even understanding what it says. These were not tent makers, they, they were leather workers and no one wanted to go near them, why? Because they dealt in leather. And when people deal in leather, they smell because leather smells when you start making it. So leather workers were not people that others wanted to stick around with. But Paul himself was a leather worker. People didn't want to be near him. The Romans did not want to be near him. You know, I, my, my, my mind goes to, to, to my friends who came from Sudan. They came as refugees from Sudan. And for some reason, the government of the United States decided that they should go to this place called South Dakota. In South Dakota, they've never seen a person of color at all. But the government decided that that's where they would stay. And do you know what they miss? They missed their drums. These are Christians. They worship with drums. They said we've got to make some drums. So they went into some farm area and they found these farmers and they said can you give us some animals whose skin we can make drums out of? And of course you know they brought these cans and and the skin was smelling And they got reported to the police because all these people have got smelly skins or smelly something there. Something is dying there. Go and find out what's dying there is what they said. But that's what it reminds me of. That's what Paul was. That's what Priscilla was. That's what Aquila was. Like my Sudanese friends, my South Sudanese friends who went and first started living in South Dakota. Think about. Also, I want you to notice, this is a very interesting order. It says Priscilla and Aquila, do you see that? In any translation, the woman's name come first. And you say, well, we never do that. Don't you realize, Paul, in our society, you never put the woman's name first. Don't you understand, Luke? This is the wrong order. It's always the man's name that should come first. It should not be the woman's name. Why are you putting not just once, you do it twice? Priscilla and Aquila and Paul will look at you and Luke, the writer of the book of Acts will look at you and say, this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. This is the order that the Holy Spirit wants me to give and to realize that discipleship is preceded with woman's discipleship. That is so powerful. Redeemer life, do you see that? You want to become a community that brings the gospel to Vernon Hills and Libertyville and all these kinds of places. It's women's discipleship that precedes men's discipleship in the mind of Paul. That's the second thing. And the third thing is, it says here, he. uh, it, it is a very interesting statement that's made here. It says here that just before he went into Ephesus in Acts chapter 18 and verse 18, it says, just before he went in there, he cut off his hair. Well, why did he cut off his hair? Well, you know, we have people today that cut off their hair, there is people in our church also who's got a, got a buzz cut, you know, this is the new shot phase and you have grown beards. I've seen a lot of people like that, right? Is that what is happening here? And the answer is no. Paul had made a vow and that's called a Nazarite vow. We don't know why, but he made a vow of fasting before God, of making sure that he lived an authentic life before God, of making sure that that authentic life was led in the presence of accountability. Do you know that authenticity is never a singular thing? You cannot be authentic by yourself. Or let me say this, you can be authentic by yourself. But the real test of authenticity is not in staying separately, in being aloof. The real test of authenticity happens in community. That is where accountability happened. And here, Paul had made a vow in the presence of his new friends, fellow leather workers like Priscilla and Aquila. And God had answered that prayer. And so he cut off his hair just before he went into Ephesus because he had grown his hair while he was praying. That's what ancient people did. It's called the Nazarite vow. So let me ask you this. Have you made vows to the Lord? Have you made vows to the Lord that are just private vows? If so, it's not a vow according to the Bible. Vows are always made in the presence of God and in the presence of people so that there is accountability. And I would encourage you to make vows every day that God, this is what I wanna do today. Will you help me and go and tell your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, whoever it is, and say, would you pray along with me? That is how authenticity develops. Look further, what happens here. He cuts off his hair because God has answered his prayer in the presence of his friends. And then there is Aquila and Pastrilla. He says, I'm gonna leave you here. I know you're new Christians, Priscilla and Aquila, I trust you. I trust you. You will be able to take care of this new church here in Ephesus. I trust you. Authenticity goes along with trusting each other to do God's work. Unfortunately, in our modern society, we don't trust people until they have attained a certain kind of education from a certain kind of place or certain certain kind of this certain kind of that and the other that's not what the early church did the early church created disciples authentic disciples they were vulnerable to each other they were accountable to each other and these people trusted other people so Priscilla and Aquila, as we go on here, it says, at that time, a Jew named Apollos came to Ephesus. Verse 24, he was an educated man from Alexandria who knew the scriptures well. Yes, he knew. At that time, they did not have the New Testament. You've got to understand that. They only had the Old Testament. It was the Hebrew scriptures. He knew that. And they said, come, tell us all you know about the Hebrew scriptures. Now, remember this, he was not yet a follower of Jesus. But they gave him a listening ear. That's how authenticity develops. When we are willing to listen to the voices of people who don't even believe like we do. And then we have the right, we earn the right to lead them to Jesus and say it's so great you know the scriptures more than i know the scriptures and believe me whenever i've done evangelism i listen to muslims i listen to jewish people i listen to people of atheists and i'm always surprised i shouldn't be but i'm always surprised at their knowledge of the scriptures and i would listen to them and i'd say tell me more tell me more and I earn the right then to share with them Jesus and say, say, you know what you said? That's so powerful. Now, can I lead you to the person who fulfills all that you said and they're ready to listen to the voice of Jesus? As we go on further, we see that that the early church went to hard places. So in chapter 19, it goes on to talk about these people called um, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, where did they go to? They went to places like a lecture hall called the Tyrannus Hall. Oh, no one wanted to go there, why? Because the moment you open your mouth, there are a bunch of people who are way, way, way more knowledgeable than you are. But that's where Paul went, not because he was way more educated than them. That's where Priscilla and Aquila went, not because they were way more educated than them. They went there because they trusted in God. And that's what Redeemer Life is doing we do not go to people to share the gospel because we know it all. We don't. We go to dangerous places, scary places like Tyrannus Hall, so that we would trust the Spirit of God to descend and do stuff. And when you do this, as you go on to read the rest of chapter 19, I would encourage you to do that by yourself. You'll find that it wasn't easy. I mean, there were these people called uh, the, the, the sons of Sceva, the sons of Sceva in verse 14 of chapter 19, who, who were just so full of all kinds of spiritual misdeeds. These were evil spirit dealing people. And that is what is involved in being authentic. It means that we go into places where there is counterfeit inauthenticities, counterfeit inauthenticities. And we counter those counterfeit inauthenticities. That's what Paul did, why? Because he trusted in the voice of God. And then as he goes in there, he writes to the people. This is so powerful. He spends three years in Ephesus. That is very important. That's one thing I want to underline here. He spends three years there and this wasn't like showing in for one hour like I'm doing or showing in for half an hour like we do once in a week on Sunday. He spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years. They got up and they saw him. They went to bed and they saw him. He saw them, they saw him, they saw everything that they did. That's one of the things that I saw when I was working with students in India. I was working with InterVarsity. I would go into college dorms. And for one, I would go on these long, long train journeys. Some of them were like four days long and and you're sitting in a group with a group of people, 12 of them. You get up in the morning and you open up your lunch pack or your breakfast pack and you share it with people. They see how you dealt with them. They saw how you dealt with others. They saw how you dealt with people who are not educated, who are educated, low caste, high caste, whatever it is. They saw that that is what it means to be authentic. And then I would go into college dorms and I would live with students there, I would eat what they're eating, and I would, have, I would go to bed with them in, in the same room. There'll be about five students who'll be asking me questions till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. That is what Paul did. That is what it means to be authentic. That's the only way to be authentic. Authenticity is not showing yourself once in a week for half an hour. That is not showing your authenticity. So Paul did, and he realized that this is a hard place. So when he was in prison after this, he wrote them a letter, and that's called Ephesians. I want to very quickly give you a bird's eye view of Ephesians, okay? Are you ready for this? remembered that they were struggling with spiritual battles and that is what it's going to be like in Ephesus. So he wrote to them and here's how he ended his his epistle. I want to beginning, I want to begin here with the end of the epistle. So boys and girls, if you would turn in your Bibles and if you have your uh, nice adventure study Bible for kids Before you, this is on page 1421, 1421. And and, and if your parents have their Bibles, have them open up to Ephesians chapter six. Finally, says Paul, finally, I'm writing to you this because I know that there are spiritual battles you'll fight. So I'm writing to you this so that you would know to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Don't trust in yourself. Be strong in the Lord. He will help you. Put on the full armor of God. Now this is not the armor of a Roman soldier. I know some commentaries say this. This is what God himself puts on. In Isaiah chapter 11, this is what Jesus puts on because our fight is not against. It goes on to say, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of dark, this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That word stand is used over and over again. You know, it's about running, right? If you're, not, if you're not standing and running, you're not running. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So then he goes on to say in chapter 6 and verse 14, stand firm then with a the belt of truth. Put on that belt of truth. That is Jesus. Put on the belt of truth, buckled around your waist so that your pants won't fall down. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of rightness that you want to bring righteousness in the world around you. Rightness means bringing right relationship with God and right relationship with each other. That's what this word means, both in Hebrew and in Greek. And your shoes should be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You're not bringing about divisiveness, but peace. Then, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Remember, this is not a run that is run by sight or by your intellectual being, or by your physical being. It is run by faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, because the evil forces will try to come against you. That is what Paul saw in Ephesus, and that is what we see even today. Take the helmet of salvation. You know, those of you who ride bikes know that you should be wearing your helmets, right? You can't just go around without your helmets. I, I'm, I feel so strange. I, I, I drive on the road and I'm driving down 94 and for one, no one goes at 55 miles an hour. Everyone is going like 90 miles an hour. So what's wrong with you all? And then of course I'm trudging along like these cars are just whizzing by and, and then comes a bike that is going at 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, and this guy is doing a wheelie. Do you know what a wheelie is? A wheelie is where this person goes on one wheel, and he's like this, and I said, what, you're going at 90 miles an hour? What's wrong with you? And then I look at his head, he's not even wearing a helmet. And this is what Paul says, take the helmet of God's salvation, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Don't go anywhere without the word of God. That's what Paul ends his letter with. So let's quickly go through this letter very, very quickly because we can't go through every single word here. Sometime maybe I will be able to do that. But I want to give you a bird's eye view because Paul is so concerned he's sitting in jail and he's writing to the people he's left because he knows that he needs to disciple them here's what he says in, in uh, he, he divides up this this epistle he divides it up into two, two parts the first three chapters is about setting their understanding of God and the church right it's called theology. Theology consists of two words, theos and logos. It is put ideas regarding God and his mission in logical categories. Theology, theologos. And then the second part is about practical theology, and that is chapters four to six. So as you begin here, look at these words carefully. Ephesians chapter chapter six, we read, chapter one says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul goes on to say, start off with thanking God. Every time you encounter inauthenticities, and brokennesses in the world, start off by thanking God. Blessed be the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Remember, our fight is a spiritual fight. Let us never come under the illusion that our, this, the, the, the struggles in the world are physical struggles, our mental struggles. They are to a certain extent physical and health wise and, and mental, but primarily they are spiritual struggles. And so in Christ, en Christo was a word that Paul uses over and over again. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Keep that in mind that these are struggles that happen, not just in the physical realm. It's like the Satan coming to God and coming and saying things against Job. So we need to realize that that's the first lesson that Paul wants to bring before them in this epistle, that the capability of the church is the Holy Spirit that has blessed us in Christ. Secondly, He says, remember the commission of the church. What is that? Ephesians chapter one and verse four says, just as he chose us in Christ, remember that word again. He stresses that over and over again, that you are in Christ. You want to be authentic? Your only authenticity is in Christ, in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember that. You were chosen even before the world began. Always remember that. And then Ephesians chapter 1, 9 and 10, he says, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ and Christo. Again, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up, All things. That is the commission of the church redeemer life. It is not one or two people here and there. The gospel is for all things and all human beings that God has created to be good in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. That is the commission of the church. Go to the ends of the world and preach the gospel, all things, everything. That's one of the reasons why I teach at North Park University because it's a place where I can train students to give the gospel that will save all things. That includes cosmology, that includes the animal kingdom that God has created and human beings that God has created in his image and human beings have destroyed that image of God. That is the gospel. And then in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it's so powerful. Chapter 2 and verse 11, look at it. As you thumb through your uh, the pages of your Bible, it says, So then remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, and you and I are all Gentiles by birth, Called the uncircumcision by those who call the circumcision a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, not in Christ you were without Christ, being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having having no hope and without God in the world, but now. In Christ, do you see that? In in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ on the cross. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he's made both groups into one. Unity, that is community, and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. And as you go on to read this, Human beings have created so many divisions. There is so much violence, so many divisions, racial divisions, linguistic divisions, geographical divisions, religious divisions, all kinds of divisions. And Paul says, now in Christ, we can be one. That is the gospel of peace. That we bring to Vernon Hills and Libertyville and Mandalay and Chicago and the world around us. So, thirdly, the community of the church. Remind people of the community of the church. First, remind people of the capability, which is in the Holy Spirit. Second, remind people of the commission. Thirdly, remind people of the community. And as we go on further, Paul goes on to remind them that in, in chapter four, for example, that this community must become a reality. It is a community in Christ. Chapter four and verse one, keep coming on. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit. That is so crucial, Redeemer Life, that as the world looks on us, they see in us the unity of the spirit that can only come in Christ, And then we can lead them to Jesus in Christ alone is unity. Verse four, therefore there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who's above all and through all and in all, That is what we want the people to see. That is the gospel lived out in unity. And then as we go on further, in chapter four and verse 17 is what David Kim was referring to. How do we do this? We do this by taking off our old, dirty, smelly clothes. Think about it. You go take a shower and then you put on your old, dirty, smelly clothes. What's the big deal? What's the big deal of taking a shower? So in chapter four and verse 17, Paul says, now this I affirm and insist in the Lord and Christo. Do you see that again? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and tardiness of heart, chapter 4 and verse 18, chapter 4 and verse 19, they've lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Why? Because they're inauthentic. So to be authentic, it says, that is not the way you learned Christ, for surely you have heard about him and were taught in him, As truth is in Jesus, you were taught to put away your former way of life. Your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts. That is stinky. Take it off. You want to be authentic? Take off the old, dirty, smelly clothes. And then he goes on to say to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself with a new self. Created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is authenticity. And the world needs to see us as authentic beings. They can't look at us and and see things of the old life because they'll say, well, these people are as stinky as we are. That is not the gospel. And as he goes on to to explain this further, and I'm going to go through this very quickly in the, in the rest of chapter five of the book of Ephesians. Here he talks about various aspects of common sensical, common sensicality of the church. How are we authentic? We are authentic by bringing about community and unity, taking off our old clothes. How do we do that? He talks about common sense things, common sensality of the church. He says, be truthful. Let people see that you're really true. You say yes, and it means yes. You say no, it means no. You are truthful. And then secondly, be angry at sin. That's okay. To be angry at people who are doing injustices, be angry at sinfulness. But don't let Anger take a hold of you so that it becomes a place where you're grudging, 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 and it boils over into all kinds of bad stuff. Thirdly, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth, what you're saying. Are you building up people? Are you destroying people? Fourthly, be kind, be compassionate, because that's who Jesus is. He loved people from his womb, it says Plankna in Greek. Be kind, forgive one another, be forgiving, don't hold grudges, don't hold animosities, forgive one another, forgive people around you, just like Christ forgave on the cross. Do not get into sexual sins, Seventh, sixthly, do not get into sexual sins. Be aware that that is what is destroying the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Don't destroy the body of Christ by engaging in sexual sins. Seventhly, in marriage, be submissive to one another. Be submissive to one another. And then he goes on to say, come on, guys. Love your wives. That's how you're showing submissiveness. Love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That is found in Ephesians chapter five. And very quickly, children and parents, children, obey your parents. Your parents have all good intentions for you and they care for you. You were born in your mother's wombs. Listen to your mother. Listen to your father. Ninthly, fathers, I know you've been told that you gotta bully your kids, you gotta be the funny guy, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. No, fathers, don't exasperate your children. That is how you show yourself to be Authentic. Cut out all that stuff. Let not you don't do stuff like the world does around you. And then tenthly, work hard, work hard. Let people around you see that you're a hard working person. Let people see that you follow Christ and you work hard. And if you're a boss, remember that God is your boss. Don't mistreat those people who work under. You so Paul makes it very commonsensical, right? Commonsensicality is our witness, commonsensality in Christ. And then, of course, sixthly, we went, we saw this earlier. He reminds them of the capability of the church be strong in the Lord, not in your own might, but in the Lord and take up the full armor of God, you will need it all, believe me. You'll need the helmet, you'll need the breastplate, you'll need the shoes, you'll need the belt, you'll need it all. You'll need the sword of the Spirit to go and fight against the fury darts of the evil one and do it just like Christ did. Isaiah chapter 11 says this about the Messiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then it goes on to say this, with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give the decisions for the poor of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Rightness, righteousness will be his belt. Do you see that? And faithfulness, the sash around his waist. He, We need to be like this Christ that the Old Testament prophets talk about. And then to the very end, he goes on to say this, and I'm going to end this as a blessing for you. Okay, Redeemer life. He says this in your translation. May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give peace to everyone. May he give you his peace as you put on the full armor of God. May he give you his peace. And may he give all believers Love and faith. Let the world see our love for him and our love for each other. Let the world see our faith, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May grace be given to everyone, Jews, Gentiles, blacks, whites, browns, all races all colors to everyone who loves our lord jesus christ with love that will never never die this is eternality this is immortality because christ has risen from the dead he is our redeemer He is our king. So church, would you listen to these words and may this be your blessing. In closing, I want to ask you this question. Are you still putting on those dirty clothes? You know what they are. Would you come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to take off that cloth." I want to take off that cloth, that part of the clothes that I have that bring dishonor to you. I want to bathe in you and put on the new human being. Would you pray that prayer? Oh, Lord, I pray for this beloved community, these beloved disciples of you, this beloved church. I pray, Lord, that you'd listen to the prayers of those that prayed to take off the old code. Inauthentic, smelly clothes. And as they put on the new clothes, oh Lord, I pray there'll be a newness that will emerge in the lives of those that pray. And help us as a church to be a church with the fragrance of Christ would we'll just go all around, all around Vernon Hills and Liberty Bell and Mundelein and Chicago, all over the world that they may smell that sweet smelling fragrance, in authenticity, and in unity. May they see our authenticity and turn to you, Oh Jesus bless us. With your presence we pray in his name. Amen.